Hello, hello, hello. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed. And welcome into episode number 93 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer. I hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving holiday. Less lonely than last year, hopefully. Better, more fun than last year, hopefully. A great American day. Good food, good drinks, good company. Kind of good football. (laughs) If you watched Cowboys Raiders, it was great football. What an overtime throw that was. If you saw, I should say more accurately, had to endure Bears-Lions, that Bills blowout over the undermanned Saints. Uh, Not nearly as fun, though. Oh, man. There are any Lions fans out there? Oh, my goodness. You're up one point over the Bears. You could win that game. Chicago's driving down the field. You call a timeout to stop the clock to save time in case Chicago does score. Okay, that makes sense. But then Dan Campbell calls another timeout, back-to-back timeouts. Of course, you cannot call back-to-back timeouts in an NFL game. So the Lions are penalized. The Bears get five extra yards. It's now a much more manageable third-down conversion for them. They get it, and they kick the game-winning field goal as time is expiring. So... Ah, it's hard to not root for the Lions, the winless Lions, for Dan Campbell, tries crazy things during games, fake punts, going forward on fourth downs, crying during post-game press conferences because of the effort his guys are giving, and it's just not translating into, never mind wins, but a singular win. And then you watch him Thursday, completely blow the game by not knowing the rules, simple rules, I might add. You can't call consecutive timeouts. And by the way, how can you not be set up on defense after your first timeout? I mean, seriously, how disorganized are you on your sideline? So, ah, ah, maddening. Guy like Dan Campbell, his only head coaching experience prior to the Lions giving him a six-year contract was a disastrous interim stint with the Dolphins years ago. And yet a guy like Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes' offensive coordinator, gets passed over time and time again. Explain that one to me. Well, that's for another podcast. But we have a few notes to get to on this Thanksgiving weekend edition of the Sports Kiki. We'll call it that. And let's start off with somebody who also played professional football, Colton Underwood. Now, we've talked about Colton before on the past when he publicly came out as gay on Good Morning America in September. Right after that announcement, Netflix came out, boom, with a promo for his new Netflix special, Coming Out Colton, going through his new life, his new journey as an out gay man. That debuts this Friday, December 3rd, and Colton is back in the news a week ahead of the special's premiere because Netflix has started its promotions on social media and people are weighing in. So let's dive into it, and I'm sure that we'll talk about this Time and time again, because it is an interesting topic in terms of which gay stories get elevated. Uh, you know, you could a lot of a lot of things there. Uh, which voices are listened to? Which voices are not? So Colton Underwood in this whole story is a good proxy for a lot of those issues and topics that come up time and time again. So first of all, for those who may have forgotten or may not know, who is Colton Underwood? Why do we care about him? Well, he won. The Bachelor, a few years, very recently, he uh, was a football player, a pro football player, 
He played defensive line at Illinois State. He then signed with the Chargers as an undrafted free agent in 2014. Signed on with the practice squads of the Raiders and Eagles. After that, then he gets released. He's out of the NFL. Becomes a contestant on The Bachelorette, which is like The Bachelor, except the woman is in the lead and picks The Bachelor as her bachelor. And then Colton becomes the lead on The Bachelor. Male is in the lead, picks The Bachelorette. The Bachelorette, the Bachelorette rather, was a woman named Cassie Randolph. And that is where the PR, the, the struggles really began for Colton Underwood and the avalanche of deserved bad press. And we get to where we are today. So in September of 2020, we find out that Randolph fired, filed a restraining order against Underwood, alleging that he stalked her outside of her Los Angeles apartment and her parents' Huntington Beach house. She also says that Underwood sent harassing text messages using an anonymous number and installed a tracking device. Yes, a tracking device underneath her car. So these are serious allegations. They are creepy allegations. Randolph was granted a temporary restraining order against Underwood. Uh, So that is where Colton Underwood has been for the last year or so. Then this past September... He comes out as gay on Good Morning America with Robin Roberts. He cries. He's very emotional. And then his Netflix special was announced, as I said, immediately afterwards, coming out Colton. So that's the lowdown on Colton Underwood. And there's a lot of blowback against the show, against the idea that somebody like him with his stalking track record, very recent stalking track record, I might add, would get elevated in this kind of role. He's white. He's what I call generically handsome, buff, clean cut, good smile, good jawline. You know what I'm talking about. Generically handsome. Personally, not my type, though. People do swoon over those white, buff, generically handsome guys, do they not? Um, So anyway, Colton Underwood. Here's where we'll start. This actual special, Coming Out Colton. I'm sorry, series, Coming Out Colton, which is going to co-star Gus Kenworthy, who will help guide Colton Underwood through his new journey as a gay man. Um, The teaser says... It will chronicle Colton Underwood's coming out story as he reveals he is gay to his family and friends. Cameras are following his journey. He will also address the controversy that surrounded him coming out. Uh, then there's a blurb on the uh, social media, on, on the card they post on Twitter, the, the little promo thing. And it says, this is uh, follows Colton's journey to a new reality. Wow. So... First of all, let me just say that The Bachelor means absolutely nothing to me. So the fact that Colton Underwood is the first uh, out gay winner of The Bachelor, uh, you know, I guess that's why some people care about him. I I don't, but that's that. Uh, so my views on this series. Well, I agree with those who are unhappy with this, and I agree with those who find this to be exploitive. And I'll tell you why. So first of all, you have the fact that he stalked and intimidated his ex-girlfriend last year. And I believe that people deserve second chances in life most of the time. I'm not saying that Colton Underwood should be banished from public life or banished from trying to 
elevate his career in show business or entertainment or whatever he wants to do. I'm not saying that, but to then stalk and intimidate your girlfriend. And then a year later, you come out, you cry. You don't really address what you did, why you did it, show remorse. And then you have a Netflix special coming out. Uh, Yeah, doesn't really size up with me. And the phrase white privilege does come to mind when you say something like that. And I would also say, in terms of the greater point, why are we elevating his story? Why does anyone care about his story? And look, my vantage point is Colton Underwood in 2021, soon to be 2022. He's white. He's handsome. He's cis. Ex-football player, as I mentioned. He's fine. Like, to me, there's just nothing interesting there. He's another hot, you know, hot white guy, buff white guy who's going to go to a circuit party in PV, (laughs) which is fine. I'm friends with many who do that. I do stuff like that. But I'm not saying I need a Netflix series following me around, you know, (laughs) following me around P-Town on the 4th as I explore my new gay journey stumbling around the streets in the wee hours of the morning. That's my journey. Good, Thank goodness there's not a camera crew following me around. But honestly, like what, there's, there's no, there, there's nothing, there's no real adversity here uh, from a societal standpoint. There's inner turmoil, I'm sure, which almost every LGBTQ person confronts at some point in their life. I guess just the point is, there are so many stories out there so many interesting people with interesting stories. Can't you do better than Colton Underwood with Gus Kenworthy, who I love, but, you know, as his gay guide, what? Is he going to show him how to you know, buy tight jeans? <laughs> you know, are they going to go to a sex store and look at sex toys? Is he going to learn about how to bottom? Oh, silly. Oh, my goodness. I can't eat for a week. I mean, Really? This is like, this is cheesy. It's just cheesy. And that, I think, is what is most offensive at all. This cheesy look with this checkered guy with a checkered past. Yeah. So I will watch for my job. I take this work seriously. Deputy Managing Editor about Sports. Perhaps I'll interview a pop culture critic about this. Because I love those kind of conversations. Maybe I'll write about it, but in terms of throwing myself in here, no, no, I I totally get the hate in this instance. And, you know, I I can see there can be some pushback against my opinion, especially because of the extensive coverage that we've given Carl Nassib, both on Outsports and this show. Carl, much like Colton, is a white, generically handsome cis man and plays pro football. So you can say that, well... Why do we pay attention to Carl Nassib? Well, we are sports site number one. And number two, uh, Carl Nassib is the first out gay player in NFL history. Out active gay player in NFL history, of course, whose boyfriend was in his corner for their Thanksgiving Day game. That is historic. In the story of LGBTQ in sports history, Carl Nassib is a seminal figure as the first out active gay player in NFL history. Then you have all the John Gruden stuff on top of that. His coach, we find out, is a raging homophobe. You you can't tell the story of LGBTQ inclusion in sports now without Carl Nassib playing a central role. 
You can tell pretty much any historical story without Colton Underwood playing a central role, I guess, unless you're going through the history of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. So that's why Carl Nassib, Colton Underwood, much different situations in my mind. So there you go. That debuts December 3rd, the Netflix special, and I'm sure I'll have more on it next week and in the weeks that come. Okay, a good story that we had on Outsports this week was by one of our great great contributors, Ken Schultz. It covered uh, Lewis Hamilton, who uh, won the Qatar Grand Prix recently, uh, and the racing champ wore rainbow colors as he crossed the finish line. He'll wear those rainbow colors for races in Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, Hamilton said he wore the rainbow colors to spread awareness about LGBTQ people and their dire situation in Qatar and Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi and countries in that region. Uh, He said, I do think as these sports go to these places, they're duty bound to raise awareness for these issues. And these places need scrutiny and need the media to speak about these things. And I say, bravo, bravo. Qatar is hosting the World Cup next year. The Winter Olympics are going to Beijing in just a few months, as we know. As I think we may have talked about this last week or the week before, slightly different in that the Winter Olympics are in Beijing, just like they were in Sochi, Russia in 2014, because nobody wants to host them anymore. I mean, the IOC just doesn't have any options. Now they should look inward and ask why. Do only authoritarian regimes want to host us these days? But they don't. The World Cup could be hosted pretty much anywhere in the world, and yet organizers chose Qatar, where being gay, engaging in in sex acts with a same-sex partner can result in imprisonment. Uh, It's illegal. It's, uh, It's a bad situation there. Now, the Qatari government, of course, says no, no. LGBTQ fans will be welcome at the World Cup. We're even going to fly the rainbow flag at our stadiums. And yeah, if you are an out player playing in the World Cup or an out fan going to Qatar for the World Cup, nothing will happen to you. I mean, they don't. this is all a PR game for the Qatari government. They don't need anything to happen. But that doesn't change the situation for the LGBTQ people on the ground in Qatar who are there before the World Cup arrives and who will be there long after the World Cup leads. So if you have these sports bodies staging events, the Qatar Grand Prix, the World Cup in Qatar, in these vehemently and hostile countries to LGBTQ people, then if you're an athlete, yes, what Lewis Hamilton did is awesome. Wear rainbow colors, the pride flag, the progress flag. Get that out there. This is an example to follow. Stand up and say, yeah, we're just not going to sit here and accept the state-sponsored narrative. That no, no, yeah, being gay is illegal in our country, but, you know, it's great here (laughs) to be a gay person. Like, no, that's such BS. And good on Lewis Hamilton for calling that out through his attire, and I hope that we'll have more called Qatar as the World Cup approaches. So this dovetails nicely into the final topic I want to get you get to today. Peng Shui 
is the WTA tennis star who has been in the news for the last week. She is one of China's most revered athletes, and she accused a former prominent official in the Communist Party of sexual assault on Weibo, the popular Chinese social media app. Well, her post was erased within half an hour, and then nobody heard from Peng Shui for about a week. Nobody heard from her for about a week. Disappeared. No activity on social media. I mentioned that her post no longer could be found. And then, about a week later, as cries persist, where is Peng Shui? China on Twitter, which cannot be accessed in China, they say she's safe. Within, uh, she's then spotted at a few events as well. Um, then she spoke by video to IOC President Thomas Bach, but she seemed very stilted, very scripted. Uh, you know, I mentioned there were photos and videos of her at a restaurant and youth tennis event sent out by Chinese state media outlets via their Twitter accounts. So she's alive, but she being held captive, prisoned. Uh, she has not mentioned her sexual assault allegations in any of these public appearances, including her video conversation with the president of the IOC. So there's still so many questions about Peng, about Peng Shui. Uh, you know, her return has been so cryptic. And the WTA has said to its credit that they are considering withdrawing all business from China. And the question is, I read this great piece in the New York Times asking this very question. Is it still worth it? Is it worth it for pro sports leagues to do business in China? You go back to the early to mid-aughts when Yao Ming is with the Rockets. The NBA first explores that region. It's billions of people and... That's all the rage. Got to get to China. This huge untapped market. And now the question is, as its government becomes increasingly authoritarian, as it continues to commit genocide against religious minorities in the western part of the country, are you really going to stay in business there? The NBA has faced a lot of these questions over the last couple of years, dating back to the Daryl Morey tweet, where he expressed his support for the Hong Kong democracy protesters on Twitter in fall of 2019, and then the, uh, the Chinese government replies by pulling Rockets games from its state-sponsored TV stations, and the NBA has been in trouble ever since, apologizing to China, LeBron, for all of his outspokenness on social justice issues, has kept quiet, even saying at one point that he doesn't think Dara Mori knew enough about the situation in Hong Kong to speak about it, so... Now we're coming at a breaking point here. You add in the draconian COVID restrictions in China, and now travel is banned there anyway, so it's not the gold mine it was. Lots of corruption. You wonder, what are we doing here? What are we doing here with not just the IOC, but any pro sports league, sports league period, doing business in this country where now one of the world's top tennis stars, Peng Shui, accuses an ex-government official of sexual assault and is completely silenced. And now you wonder what's happening to her. So ugly, ugly story out of China, international sports, and the Winter Olympics are coming in February. There's been talk about the U.S. staging a diplomatic boycott. 
I'm sure we'll talk about that more as the Olympics draw closer. It's a tough call. I mean, a diplomatic boycott is more symbolic than anything else because athletes are still competing. But if you boycott entirely from the event, you are robbing athletes from the chance to do what they've been training to do for their whole lives. And with the tenuous state of the world due to COVID, you know, you don't know when these opportunities come again. So there's that factor of it too when you talk about an official boycott. So lots of thorny issues to delve into. And I look forward to doing that as we can move on on the Sports Kiki. Thank you as always to, for listening, episode number 93. As always, if you have any show ideas, guest ideas, send them my way. My Twitter account is at AlexRemer1. <clears throat> that again is at AlexRemer1. So long, everybody. Talk to you next week. <laughs>